1: Tough blog pod. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host as always, Anthony Pagnatta here with you guys. And tonight, back onto the recruiting trail, which means we are joined by Zach Hubbard uh, for tonight's episode. We're going to break down the commitment of Tad Hudson to Carolina. He announced late on Sunday night that he was committing to the Tar Heels, uh, something that really didn't come as much of a shock considering uh, his recruitment uh, after Carolina offered them last February, but we'll go or, uh, yeah, yeah, last February. Uh, or and we'll also get into uh, some conversation about, uh, you know, the 2022 class. So Carolina hosted the cookout this past weekend. Tad Hudson was one of the guys that attended, but there were also plenty of 2022 guys that were there as well. So, uh, we'll tell you some of the things that have been coming out of there. Talk a little bit about, you know, what maybe we expect uh, could happen over the next couple of weeks for the Tar Heels on the 2022 recruiting trail. Uh, uh, and uh, as, as they get ready to uh, head into uh, the, the high school football season here, most schools and states are about two and a half weeks away from the start of high school football season. So some guys uh, that want to get it over before the season starts, you're probably going to see some of those decisions rolling in. So we'll talk about all of that. And uh, again, as I mentioned, we'll do it with Zach Hubbard tonight. Hey, Zach, uh, hi, how you been doing, man?
0: been doing well. Uh, you know, obviously another commitment for the targills, this one in the twenty twenty three class. So, you know, as it seems like we say in every edition of the podcast, you know, recruiting just keeps rolling on.
1: Well, there's never a bad way to start a recruiting class, but I think one of the best ways that you can do it is by getting your signal caller as your first commit in the class. It sort of sets the precedent for who guys are going to be playing with, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and that's what the Tar Heels did here. They land 2023 four-star quarterback Tad Hudson on Sunday night. Currently, again, it's early on in the class, but currently ranked as the number 14 quarterback in the 24 7 sports composite rankings, number 175 player nationally, and the number three player. In the state of North Carolina this was a guy that when he was offered back early last year you could tell that Carolina really valued what they saw from him that was after he had played only started in just two games in his freshman season but he really took off uh, recruiting wise in In the months following his offer from Carolina, but the Tar Heels remained the strong favorite for him for a long time. Uh, It felt like it was really only a matter of time before he ended up committing, and Carolina, after the cookout on on Saturday, ends up receiving his commitment. And uh, you know, again, this is I think the biggest thing when, when you look at this is you just look back to 2018 and the fact that you had Nathan Elliott. Chaz Surad, who couldn't stay on the field, uh, you know, because of some health issues during that season, that quarterback room was nowhere near uh, one of the best in in the ACC. Honestly, it may have been one of the worst, if not the worst, in the ACC at the time. And now Carolina sits here today, of course, as we mentioned, you know, they they or we've mentioned many times on this podcast, uh, you know, they they've landed, you know, a lot of. Guys, consecutively that are four-star prospects or higher, and, and it all started with Sam Howell when Carolina had ended up landing him. Uh, and, and since then, they have just continued to land, uh, you know, quarterback after quarterback in this class. The lowest-rated guy uh, of the group is Connor Harrell, who is in the 2022 class. Who you know, people think probably would have ended up being a four-star prospect had he been able to get out to some of these prospect camps and everything like that. So, uh, exactly. Zach, it's just another statement from Phil Longo, especially that uh, you know, Carolina's past quarterback woes are behind them, and uh, this is a staff that has valued the quarterback position and is putting together uh, one of the best, if not the best, quarterback room uh, in all of college football, possibly.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's a huge advantage that you've seen quite a number of these guys, or really, I guess, mixed, You want to look at it that way of in state and out of state guys really going back to Sam Howell. I mean, you look at uh, now, really, you know, five, six quarterbacks in a row. I'll I'll add Jefferson Boaz in there as he was another Mm -hmm. in state guy, so, you know, we'll keep him on the list as well. But you look at, you know, the quarterbacks that they've added in the Brown era, you've got Sam Howell, Drake May, Jefferson Boaz, and now. You know, committed Tad Hudson, all in state guys. You know, uh, three of those four were four star, you know, top 200 guys in terms of their recruiting ranking. But they've also supplemented that with out of state prospects such as Jacoby Criswell and then in the 2022 class, uh, Connor Harrell. So they've done a good job of mixing that, which really shows. You know some of the key tenants that we've seen from the offense and from the recruiting effort there is they're going to focus first and foremost in state and look at what their options are and they're going to you know be they're going to prefer guys that are in state because they have that connection they like the idea of families being able to come in very easily on Saturdays in the fall into Chapel Hill and watch their sons play. Uh, but they're not afraid to go national, and they've, you know, created enough of an impact with, you know, having this offense be out there, with having these offensive skill players get drafted in this past draft, and more likely than not, you'll see Sam Howell go pretty highly uh, in the first round of the upcoming NFL draft. So there's a lot of buzz around this Carolina offense that we see continue with the commitment of another in-state signal caller.
1: Yeah, and I think you know one of the other big things here is that uh, Carolina is is definitely preparing themselves for this era of. The transfer portal where you're going to see guys, especially at the quarterback position, that are going to enter the transfer portal if they do not end up getting the results that they want. So, Carolina is doing everything they can to make sure that year in, year out, they're landing a guy that is up to the standard of what they want in the program and that fits the offense pretty well. You know, you look at Tad Hudson, one thing that's interesting about him that I think is different from a lot of the other guys that Carolina has brought in under. Longo is he's probably the least mobile of the quarterbacks. Sam Howell was uh, a guy that ran in high school simply because he could. You've seen as he's gotten to the college level, that's kind of dissipated a little bit. But I mean, this is a guy that he hasn't done a lot of running at all at the high school level. Um, he's a, a pocket-based quarterback, but he's got a he's got a big arm, definitely, and that's one of the main things that Carolina looks at with their quarterbacks. Uh, one of the other things that has been pretty obvious that Carolina has looked for amongst their quarterbacks is deep ball accuracy. This is an offense when it's at its best over the last few seasons, it hits the big plays down the field. And Tad Hudson looks like the guy that could do that um you know he, he's already got a pretty sizable frame so unlike you know a guy like drake may who is wh- pretty slight we saw him in, in the spring game we knew he would have to add weight tad hudson's a guy that looks the part already so that that's definitely promising for carolina especially you know, depending on how things shake out with the depth chart they may need him uh, to end up playing a significant role either as a backup or who knows maybe even potentially competing for a starting job uh, uh, if you know certain things go right, and certain guys end up, uh, you know, getting. Picked in the NFL draft, if you have guys that end up winning certain battles, uh, it could be that he he could be needed sooner rather than later in his career. So it's good to see that he's got the size. But the biggest thing to note about him is he's still young. He's still just getting ready to start his junior season, and that is good because there are some things on film that are a little bit concerning. Mainly the fact that his footwork does get a little bit sloppy when he's under pressure. Um, we saw that multiple times. He's not a guy. That is really all that great on the run, and that shouldn't really shock anybody, being that he's a pocket-based quarterback. But um, you know, the other thing is that that I think we're going to see probably ironed out over the next couple of years is the fact that he definitely takes a, a little too too much risk w- throwing into coverage from time to time. I mean, he started ten games in his in his high school career, and he's thrown twelve interceptions to this point. Um, a lot of those have come in some of the bigger games Games as well that he's played in, uh, so I definitely think it's something that he's going to have to work on. You would imagine that his high school staff is going to work on that with him, but it's there's definitely a lot of the traits there that Carolina likes in their quarterbacks, and that make him a, a, a really solid prospect. You know, in watching Tad Hudson, what did you like uh, from what you saw from him, Zach, and and how do you think he fits this Carolina offense?
0: Yeah, I think the two things that stick out to me just from watching film of Tad is his size, his frame, and then his arm strength. I mean, you're really looking at a guy that if you you know wanna look at where he's at right now, if you wanna make a determination, I would say, you know, he's not a finished product, but mm-hmm. I do think that he's got a fairly high Ceiling uh, going into you know his junior and senior season, and I, I do think it's important that you mention that you know he just finished what was a truncated spring sophomore season and really his first season with full starting reps. So you know he's a guy that is still learning to some extent to play at this level his stats from sort of the spring season were not super impressive through for 55 percent of his passes 16 touchdowns to nine interceptions so like you mentioned a little bit risky in terms of his throwing mechanics obviously you see he can throw the the ball far and with accuracy he does float a few of his passes sort of in an arcing motion um so you know might want to see that change a little bit but for me I would like to see him in a seven-on-seven seven situation. I want to see more of what he does, sort of in the short or in intermediate passes. From the film that I watched, uh, I, I didn't really see a ton of that. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned, while uh, Phil Longo's offense thrives on downfield vertical passing, uh, really in any offense that you have in the modern era, that there's going to be you know quick games such as quick slants, so or there's going to be you know intermediate balls balls to the middle of the field that are just going to be pieces of your offense. Even if it's not your home run hit, it's going to be, you know, a part of your bread and butter that you have an offense. So I want to see some more there, but that, you know, really the, the crux of this is that this is a young guy. I mean, we, we got we to gotta really nail that point down is this is a 2023 player who has two more years of high school to develop at the quarterback position. And, you know, could he be asked to play early? Perhaps, but I mean you look at the way that this quarterback room has been built, obviously we know, you know, they're pretty set on taking one guy per cycle in all likelihood, as unfortunate as it may be to say, you know, one or multiple of the guys currently in the room or, you know, going to be in the room will transfer uh, before they leave North Carolina, that's just the nature of the game, mm-hmm. uh, with the era of the transfer portal and everything along those lines. But I, I don't think it's a situation more likely than not. Well, he'll have to come in and start immediately. If I had to guess, you know, three years out from that, I mean, they're going to have guys like. Perhaps Jacoby Criswell will still be there. They'll have Drake May. They'll likely have Connor Harrell still there. Maybe Jefferson Boas. Who knows? So, I mean, all of these options could still conceivably be on campus when he enrolls as a freshman down the line. So I don't think that's a concern. I think he's got time to develop in high school. I think he's clearly a guy that has upside. And so, you know, this is a great pickup just in terms of the player that he is.
1: Yet, one thing that was interesting when you look at what he did a year ago, and knowing because he's from Cornelius, which is right here in the Charlotte area, knowing a decent amount about Huff and and what they went through this past year. Uh, this was a team that, back in the summer, before what was scheduled to be the fall season, they were one of the most talented teams in the entire state. Most people will probably remember Evan Pryor, um, who Carolina did recruit as an in-state running back prospect, went to Ohio State. He left early, and that was really only the start. They lost pretty much every significant offensive and defensive player that had a D1 scholarship commitment, almost all of those guys signed early and decided to enroll. So um, when they took the field in the spring, this was a completely different team uh, than the one that he was supposed to play with. Uh, He kind of had to adjust on the fly. The team did not get off to the greatest start in the first couple of games of the year, but they still ended up finishing the regular season undefeated. They ended up winning a conference behind their quarterback in Tad Hudson who uh, you know helped, helped lead them to a victory over a team that eventually won the state title in Vance, a team that's widely known for having one of the best defenses in the state. So there's a lot of things to like about him and I mean even you know you go back to his freshman year this was a guy that was thrown in first start of significant start of his career came in the game against uh, against Richmond High School in the second round of the state playoffs Richmond, of course, at the time, quarterbacked by now current Tar Heel running back Caleb Hood, one of the better teams in the state. Uh, Huff at the time was good, not great. They had kind of struggled. They were up and down the entire season, part of the reason why he came in and took over combined with an injury. Um, but he came in and and nearly went on the road to one of the tougher places to play in the state and pulled an upset. So this is a guy that you, you feel like, from watching him there's some things about him that are somewhat similar to what you see from Sam Howell, from Drake May, a guy that, in the state, in the Charlotte area, likes the big stage, likes playing in some of these significant matchups, and thrives best in those moments. So, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you're, you're definitely right. I don't think he's going to have to come in and play a significant role early, but it's good to see that he's got the frame. I mean, he's he's definitely, he, he is like Sam Howell, he's got the body type already out of the gate, where with Drake May, I mean, most people are looking at him thinking, ah, this guy could potentially come in and win the backup job, but one of the big concerns with him is that if Carolina was to need him at some point this season due to an injury, they're wondering if he would be able to st- take some of the hits that could come his way in the ACC this year because of how small his frame is. But, uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to like about him. I think there's a lot of upside to him, as you mentioned. I think, you know, playing this year with what will probably be a more – Division one laden roster, and they that that's a school in, in Huff that has you know talent rolling in and out of there every single year. Uh, they will definitely have a lot of talent around him this year, and probably going into his senior year, you would imagine, especially with him being one of the better quarterbacks in the state, they might even be able to add more talent around him because guys will want to play with him. Uh, he has a chance to really show off what he can do, and I think there should definitely be a lot of excitement. You know, overall, uh, looking at you know what this means for the 2023 class, it is still early for Carolina, but this is a pretty good way to start off by landing a guy that's ranked inside the top 200 prospects in the class. Uh, This, I, I, I mean, Carolina last year in the 2022 class it took them far longer to get started but this immediately puts them inside of the top 15 in terms of the national ranks they are the number 11 class in uh in you know the 23 cycle again shouldn't read too much into that but this is one that you love to get out of the gate to start and the other big thing that this does is that this is we we talked about in two, in the 2021 class how that was one of the best in-state recruiting classes, probably in the modern recruiting era. It, it's It may have been the best. Well, this class for 2023, and again, they haven't really gone as in-depth because it's still very, very early. But this class right now has eight players already ranked inside of the top 300 prospects. So the state of North Carolina in the 23 cycle once again looks to be loaded. Carolina is in good standing with everybody. They've actually offered everybody but one prospect of the eight guys that are ranked inside that top 300. The guy they haven't offered yet, Dalen Smothers at Advance, Vance, would be shocked at some point if that offered. Offer does not end up coming, uh, and you know you look at, at what this could mean. You know a lot of these guys have really good relationships. Now it's probably not as strong as it's been in recent years because you haven't been able to go to a lot of these camps. You haven't had as extensive, uh, you know, these the seven on seven groups that they've had in the past. They did do some of that this past year, but not quite as as intense as in years past, where they're playing every weekend during the summer. But this is definitely one where you gotta feel pretty good about what you know Carolina gets in in him out of the gate and how it may affect uh, the state of North Carolina going forward in this upcoming class.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you get a guy on board this early, and it, it does look like that um, the in-state crop in twenty twenty three could be another good one, sort of to maybe not to match twenty. 20- 21, but uh, might be a little bit stronger than 2022. 20, 22, excuse me, in terms of North Carolina's interest within state prospects. So, you know, getting a guy that can sort of be a leader uh, in that class this early is really a big step up. I mean, I, it, it's hard not to hammer home the point that you know this is a kid that is essentially two classes out. I mean, you had the 2021 guys just enroll. 2022 is still very much in their recruiting cycle. So, you know, on board early uh, really, you know, is in that position to be a factor in this class early and building those relationships. And these guys are already taking visits. I mean, in the month of June and then this last weekend of July all over the country, 2023 guys are getting out there and they're already building these relationships. So even though it is early and even though it gives – uh, North Carolina at least, you know, that much of an advantage in state, um, it, it's, it's, it's important for them to do that because no other staffs are, are getting out there building these relationships with kids. So um, I, I think it's great to have a peer recruiter in the class this early, and I think it can pay big dividends down the line.
1: Well, it seems like just from looking at his interactions on social media, as pretty good a, a pretty strong relationship with Christian Hamilton, who is the top player as of right now in the cl- in in that twenty twenty three class in the state of North Carolina out of Hickory Ridge High School. Of course, they are also coached by former Tar Heel offensive lineman Jupiter Wilson as well. So that's a, a guy that I think is worth keeping an eye on, and, and that relationship could definitely help. And there's another guy that was at the cookout as well. That's from the Charlotte area, and Grant Tucker out of Charlotte Christian High School. Another guy that you'll probably see at a lot of these camps. You'll see it some in some of these seven-on-seven seven, uh, teams that that will cycle around over the next couple of summers. So. Those are the types of guys that this really helps because you've got a guy as you mentioned that is going to help you recruit. I mean, he's on board early for a reason. Clearly there's something that he really likes about Carolina and he's going to be able to try to explain that to some of these guys early on and and get guys to, you know, get show the interest in Carolina early and I mean, you you see it with, you know, these last few classes. It seems like Guys are making decisions earlier and earlier in all of these classes. I mean, this year I think it was delayed a little bit, but I mean, going back to the 2021 class, you remember that Carolina? Uh, they they went into national signing day, the early signing day. Uh, pretty much knowing that they had their entire class wrapped up. And it wasn't like Carolina landed a bunch of guys just right before the early signing period. Most of these guys had been locked up for a while. So it's really key to get these relationships established early because, believe it or not, uh, these, I mean, it, it's stunning to believe, but these classes can sneak up on you pretty quick. I mean, that 2022 class right now, believe it or not, is only four months away from their early signing period. And you would imagine that at that time, very similar to the last couple of years, Carolina's class is going to be mostly full at that point. So getting Hudson in as early as you did, getting off to a really good start to what could be you know, a little bit more of a a bigger class than this year's class. I mean, it depends, of course, on what ends up happening with the Covid eligibility, all that—you know—that's going to be one of those confusing factors that everybody's going to have to take into account over the next couple of years. But this could be a little bit bigger of a class than the one this year. So to get a commit early uh, is big. Talking—you know—speaking of of that 2022 class, Carolina hosted a lot of the big name guys, a lot of their big name targets remaining in the 22 class on Saturday. Travis Shaw was there, big time in-state guy. There was some concern at one point that he wasn't going to end up being there. That wasn't the case; he was in attendance. So Carolina has to feel really encouraged about that. I know Andre Green Jr. out of the state of Virginia was there. A lot of the Virginia guys were all there. Uh, you know, Zach Rice there as well. Um, and, and you know, there were some some newsworthy things I think that came out of it. First of all, I think the biggest one that uh, everybody's been monitoring is Zach Rice. He's the five-star prospect, guy that's ranked inside the top ten prospects in the class of 22 Carolina and really good standing for him. And he pretty much came out and said Don Callahan wrote an article on this the other day, pretty much came out and said that he is going to delay his decision probably into the season uh, or even after the season potentially uh, is, is what it looks like he could end up doing. You know, Zach, what do you make of that? Do you think that kind of favors Carolina? I, I think, you know, the fact that he didn't end up officially visiting Carolina during the summer, it probably means that it does favor Carolina. But what, what do you think on that? Are you or are, are you maybe in a, in a different faction than me there?
0: I think I'm kind of in a, in a strange spot with this right now, just looking through everything because we have seen this decision timeline sort of you push back and push back and the reason given is you know he stated very plainly i'm just not ready to make my decision i don't have you know a team in mind that i'm ready to lock down and commit to even though there was that desire to go ahead and make that decision at the completion of the summer once he's taken all his visits, and he has taken all his visits. He's he's been to uh, Alabama, he's been to Ohio State, he's been to Notre Dame, then he's been to uh, Virginia and North Carolina several times. I think he went to North Carolina about three different times uh, during the months of June and July, but did save that official visit. That was more of a scheduling issue than anything, but does still have that official visit in the back pocket. So he's sort of at the position right now of I haven't made any sort of decision, but I do want to, you know, go into the season, mainly focus on that, mainly focus on my, you know, high school season, but then also look at how these teams are doing, look at how they performed in the season. So it's really hard to get a great grasp of, you know, what are really the factors in play that he's looking at at this point? If I had to, you know, give sort of a handicap of where this is going um i I think i would put ohio state fifth i I, all the information i've gotten from from north carolina and ohio state sources has been that they're you know not really involved in this recruitment all that much notre dame he has a friend uh that goes there i think it's a 2021 guy named blake miller that he knew that sort of headed up his official visit there um so there's a connection there obviously notre dame has been known for producing a good offensive linemen but there wasn't really a ton of buzz that came out of that official visit so I might put them fourth I think third I'd say Alabama there was some buzz in April and May before the official visit but then coming out of the official visit uh, that dropped off um, pretty significantly but you never really want to count out um, uh, and Alabama in a recruitment, but I, I think it's Virginia and North Carolina in that top two, and I think if you look at the visits and really the trajectory of the program, there's a lot of things on paper that would uh, give North Carolina a lot of confidence in this, but as we stated, there's still that trepidation, and there's still I guess the call of home for you know Virginia as sort of the local school, the school that he has a connection with. So, it's really hard for me to say. I, I, I don't want, I, I hope that it's not a situation in which he's looking for additional reasons to commit to North Carolina and has not found that yet, while at the same time looking for reasons to commit to Virginia, and maybe if they have a good season, they provide that. I think that's worst case scenario. But how I like to look at it, and what I think, you know, the, the sort of all the information that we have looked at, you, you look and you see, You follow the business. That's, Mm -hmm. for most people, that's the consistent factor that you're looking at in a recruitment. I don't think that he's visited a school more, at least it's been reported. Maybe he's been to Virginia more and has been reported. But I don't think that he's been to a school more on a consistent basis with, you know, guys of similar level. With guys that are national recruits, with guys that can come in and build a program to compete for, an ACC championship. I don't think that there is another school that he's had that experience at other than North Carolina. So I feel like there's a lot on the table that favors North Carolina. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if he makes other visits. We'll have to see if he uses that official visit in North Carolina. But at least at this time, I'm still going to stand with my personal feeling that North Carolina is in the driver's seat there, and you know I'm going to need to see or hear something significant to really move off that at this point.
1: Yeah, I think it's just it, it's big-time recruiting. I, I really think that this is part of what you're just going to deal with, especially early on if you're going to be in on some of these prospects. You're going to have to deal with the fact that some of these guys are going to sort of take their time making their decisions, especially these high-end prospects that have – you know, multiple opportunities and especially with NIL trying to figure out exactly how much money they could make at a certain place as opposed to another school. So I I think there's a lot of factors that are going into it. But like you said, I mean, yeah, he definitely has visited North Carolina more than any other school, I would think. I I would say Virginia might be a close second. Um, He's Without a doubt, it's one of those two schools. So I feel like a lot of people really... Think want to get to the point where they say that it's down to those two schools, but they just don't really want to count out any of the other schools because it seems like he's a guy that is pretty reactionary. He's very impressionable, um, you know, just from what we saw on his on his visits. But I I, I still feel like, you know, coming down to it, Carolina is is in a good spot, and yeah, I'm with you. They should definitely feel pretty confident about where they're at right now. Uh, I don't know if they feel like they're in the driver's seat. I think it's just one of those things where it's a real cautious optimism because – It's just so hard to get a read on him, and he's a five-star prospect. So people just don't want to get overly excited uh, thinking that he's going to end up coming here, and if Carolina ends up missing on him, trying to turn it into, you know, basically this is a huge miss or whatever, it wouldn't be. You know, this is a a guy that is, you know, top ten in his class, uh, this is, you know, would be just the second prospect here in recent memory that Carolina's really recruited on that level. Now they landed the first one in Tony Grimes, which definitely established a lot of confidence. But still, uh, I, I think that you know people people are trying to be, you know, a, a, a little bit cautiously optimistic because they don't want to feel like, you know, they they get burned just like they they felt, you know, with the Dalen Everett commitment to Clemson. Another guy who was on campus and, and you know, just kind of touch on where we feel we're at with him is, you know, George Petaway. Carolina, again, I think at this point, you know, it, it's become pretty obvious that with the guys that Carolina uh, you know, still has as, as targets on the board, where Carolina stands with some of those guys. George Petaway is a guy that Carolina really wants to add in this class. They want to bring in two running backs in this class to sort of mirror the group that they had in the backfield last year of Michael Carter and Javante Williams if they can again at some point and Petaway was on campus this weekend for the cookout part of you know that big group of virginia guys that was there. Carolina feels probably feels pretty confident and you know from everything that uh, you know is is around the situation once again a guy that's kind of weighing all of his options. He's taken a ton of official or a ton of visits. Uh, I know I don't know how many of them have been official but he's definitely taken taken a ton of visits uh, so far this summer. Am I wrong to feel like Carolina's in a pretty good spot here? I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like they're probably in a better I'm more confident in the spot that they're in here with Petaway than I am in the spot with Zach Rice. But at the same time, I think there's that part of me in the back of my mind that says you just really don't know with him. How do you feel?
0: Yeah, I I feel like I'm kind of in a similar boat in the sense that you really don't know. I mean, uh, George is a guy that really has been particular to sort of keep his cards close to the best. Uh, But I think if you just look at the schools that he visited in the month of June and really where those individual schools are, you can sort of get a picture. Um, He went on two official visits in the month of June. He went to Michigan and Penn State. From what has been reported, Michigan, uh, and he do not see each other as options there, so they're sort of out. Penn State already has two running back commitments, so they're likely out. Um, and then three other schools he visited, Florida, North Carolina, and Virginia. Florida just got a running back commitment and looks to be picked for a second running back commitment. Uh, Jalen Glover out of Florida looks to commit this Friday, so they'll probably be in the same boat as Penn State. Out of those five, that really leaves another North Carolina Virginia battle. And, you know, maybe Virginia is involved there, uh, or not involved, but maybe they are a real factor there. But, you know, just in how things go in recruiting, nine times out of ten, North Carolina, it's more likely they're not going gonna to win that recruiting battle versus a UVA. That's just how that goes. And they, they generally don't get into a lot of recruiting battles if you really get down to it. Um, so I think that just by process of elimination, North Carolina has to feel good. Now, could there be other schools in the fall that sort of get involved? I think that's a possibility. I don't know 100 um, percent, so we'll have to look there. And it's all going to depend on what his timeline is, which we don't really know. I, to my knowledge, he doesn't have a clearly defined, this is when I'm going to commit timeline, so I think it could be in the fall could be after the season we really don't know so i sort of am in agreement with you north carolina should feel good here uh just by you know the relationships that it's built and the process of elimination with other known names involved but it's really anyone else that could pop up in this recruitment in the fall that just has to be sort of that little bit of a concern in the back of your mind
1: Let me ask you about one team that I've seen pop up here recently and you follow Alabama um, pretty in depth as well. I've seen some people say that the guy that originally was recruiting him at Carolina, Robert Gillespie, has started to turn the heat up a little bit on him. Do you think that Alabama could be a threat here for Petaway? There has not been a ton of buzz there uh, because
0: Alabama already has two running back commitments in the class. However, one of their running back commitments, Le'Veon Moss out of Louisiana, uh, has been a guy that has been taking quite a few visits despite his commitment. Um, so there is a feeling that he is still looking around, and as is the case with Alabama, as your Ohio States or your Georgias, um, places like that, if you're commitments are going to look around you as the school are going to look around as well and see what options are there Um, there's a famous nick saban quote from years and years ago of if you shop we shop that's essentially the mindset is they need to have options in place if there's any sort of decommitment and there is a possibility that Petaway could be one of those guys obviously he's uh you know a top 100 prospect he's a guy that Gillespie as you know, current Alabama running back coach and the former UNC running backs coach would have a lot of familiarity with. So I think he would be a guy on the short list. He would be a guy sort of in that, you know, category that I mentioned of sort of unknown teams. In this mm-hmm. case we're, you know, naming one. But you know, a, a new team that could sort of get some momentum there in the fall. Uh, when he's more likely to potentially take visits to these schools on campus. So could they be a factor? Absolutely, they could be. But it's going to depend on a few things. So if he were to commit to tomorrow, I don't think it would be Alabama necessarily. uh, But they would be a name to watch uh, in the future if there's a spot available
1: to So, just a couple other things to wrap up here. Uh, You know, a couple other recruiting notes. Addison Nichols, the 2022 four star uh, interior offensive lineman out of uh, the Atlanta area in Norcross, Georgia, ended up making his decision the other day uh, on Monday. Uh, Carolina not the pick there. Also, not really all that shocking. He ends up going to Tennessee. Carolina fought their way back into that recruitment. They were not in uh, his top 10 list, ended up fighting their way back in to make his top three, but it just wasn't enough there as he goes to to play for the Volunteers. Uh, And, uh, you know, again, a couple other, um, you know, recruitments uh, that we're watching right now for sure. Jake Pope uh, is a guy that a lot of people feel like, from what I've seen, he's going to end up making the decision before the season starts. One thing that was interesting to note, I do not believe he was among the guys that was on campus this weekend, so uh, take that for what you might. I don't really know how good the Tar Heels feel after that, with him not making the trip to Chapel Hill uh, for what is considered one of their bigger recruiting events of the year, um, but that's one that should be you would expect, will probably come to an end before the start uh, of his senior season. It feels like, though, the longer it goes, uh, the better chance it is that Carolina can you know, end up potentially hosting him again for an unofficial visit at some point and once again try to impress him enough to where... Uh, He could still be a part of this class. Shalik Knotts still scheduled to make his announcement uh, on August 15th, a four-star in-state prospect for the Tar Heels. And one one other thing really quickly that uh, did want to sort of clear up in terms of some of the news that came out earlier today, the Tar Heels did receive a commitment in the 2022 class, but it was from a preferred walk-on. There were a lot of people asking questions as to Whether or not uh, the commitment was from a guy that uh, Carolina had sort of maybe offered behind the scenes, it wasn't really revealed, uh, or if it was something where a guy had you know received an offer and committed on the spot. Uh, Bo Burks is his name, uh, a guy uh, out of the state of Alabama. Uh, I believe, yeah, Centerville, Alabama. Uh, he's a three-star offensive guard. Uh, he is going to be a preferred walk-on. He did receive a preferred walk-on offer uh, in the 22 class back on June 16th, and he ends up committing to Carolina. So this is a guy that uh, the Tar Heels, uh, didn't Feel highly enough of to offer a scholarship, but is a guy uh, that they, they feel like uh, you know, meets the requirements and, and is somebody that uh, it, it seems motivated to come in and, and make a name for himself. So I just wanted to make sure that that was cleared up. That is not a guy that has taken a spot, uh, a scholarship spot in this class, but is a guy that is going to be a part of the Tar Heels as a preferred walk on going into next season. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast podcasts uh, guys make sure you head over to the website we've got you covered with all the big recruiting news of course uh, you go back uh, if you haven't read about Sebastian cheeks yet make sure you go back and read that uh, couple that with of course the uh, our breakdown of tad Hudson make sure you go back and read that in the uh, 23 class first commitment of the class we tell you uh, what he brings to the table as a quarterback go a little more in depth than we even did here on the podcast and also uh, tell you uh, you know what it means for the Tar Heels in that loaded 2023 class uh, for the state of North Carolina and how it it gets them off to a really solid start and probably instills some pretty good confidence uh, that the staff can do damage in state once again. Uh, So make sure you guys go check all that stuff out on the website. We'll of course be having you covered here even as we get into camp and into the season with all of the recruiting news. Scouting reports this year are going to come back. It doesn't look like the schedule is going to be as packed as I thought it was going to be from uh, some of the other side jobs and stuff that I do, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how many we get in there. We're going to to try to do as many as we possibly can, so make sure you guys are keeping an eye out uh, for those once again this year. Uh, and then, you know, the on-field stuff, Carolina is jumping into fall camp here on uh, on Thursday, will be their first day, August 5th. They arrive tomorrow, August 4th. Uh, that is uh, the day that everybody is expected to report. will be interesting to see if we hear from Mac Brown tomorrow or potentially after that first practice. I would expect one of those two days we'll probably going to hear from him so we'll have you covered uh, with all of our takeaways from his press conferences he's probably going to do one just about every week so we'll have you covered with all of that stuff uh, throughout the fall uh, camp season as they head towards that first game believe it or not a month away that first game uh, against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg Carolina coming in with one of their you know most hype seasons in program history coming in with a lot of expectations, and uh, we've got you, you know, covered in terms of the breakdowns of the roster. Make sure you head uh, to, uh, you know, you can check it out under the 2021 football season tab on the website. Uh, also, you know, just under the the all all news tabs, it's still up there. But we've got all the different breakdowns for you, each position group. We go in depth for you, so make sure you guys are checking those out to get prepared for the season. We give you our projected depth charts for all of those positions there um, again remember that you know some of them probably aren't going to be exact like that uh, you know there's you know the way we do it the way I do it personally uh, is you know if I use a guy somewhere on the depth chart I'm not going to use him as a backup at a certain position but that's not the case uh, you know in terms of guys like Let's say Joshua Zudu He's probably going to be The backup at a lot of The positions along the Offensive line but we Have all that stuff for You guys up there on the Website breakdown all the Position all those Positions tell you about Every guy that is uh, in the Position group what we Think their roles could be This year so make sure That you guys are keeping An eye out on those and Then of course uh, once we Get closer to the season We'll be doing uh, some of The bold predictions Breakout candidates all That type of stuff those Fun articles that you guys love each and every year to get you ready. So, uh, you know, in terms of the podcast, same thing. We've been doing the position previews for you guys. You guys have really been enjoying those. Uh, make sure that you guys, if you haven't caught those, go back, check out the position groups we go through, break down uh, the entire offensive side of the ball, entire defensive side of the ball uh, as we have uh on the website. The only difference is is that we do not uh, separate the... Uh, on the website, we do not separate... or on in the podcast, we do not separate the wide receivers and tight ends. We do on the website. Um, so make sure that you guys are going back, checking out all of those great editions of the podcast. Also, if you want to go back, check out some of the interviews with former players, some of the interviews with the National Magazine guys for this year. Those are all always there for you guys as well. And for the uh, people that... Listen- Listen to the podcast. It is on uh, any of your major podcast platforms. Make sure wherever you listen to, you uh, give us uh, a review and subscribe. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, definitely the subscription. That's uh, you know something that is for you guys so that whenever a new edition of the podcast comes out, you guys can get it right in your podcast library. And we also encourage you to head over to the social media pages. Definitely Facebook. Like and follow the Facebook page. That's where we put up all the articles. All the audio editions of the podcast and all of the video editions of the podcast as well. If you're one of the people that like to watch the video editions, again, we're going to continue doing those throughout the season. All those podcasts that I talked about, the bold uh, predictions, breakout candidates, we're going to do that on the podcast side of things as well. And uh, we will be on camera for all those. And then, of course, once we get in season, all the previews, all the recaps, all that stuff will be on camera. And then finally, uh, you know, we, we do. Encourage you guys to follow us on Twitter as well at Heel Tough for uh, the official account, for uh, our personal accounts at HTB Anthony for me, at Hacksubber2 for Zach, and then at uh, HTB Josh if you want to follow Josh throughout the season. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Zach for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels.